Hello, and welcome to the Veer360 podcast. Veer360 is a virtual reality education platform for K-12. In each podcast, we'll be inviting a speaker from the education industry to discuss technology in education, suggest strategies for classroom management, and share what's happening in the edtech world. We hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. I'm going to share a little bit about myself first. And then I'll share a little bit about my thoughts, uh, particularly about COVID and then post-COVID and then a little bit about immersive learning as well. So I'm originally from New Zealand, as you can probably tell by my pretty thick accent. Um, And I know that there's a uh, Nigel's here today, also from New Zealand, uh, who I have met in Malaysia before, and I believe he's now in Thailand. So thanks for being here, Nigel. And thank you for everyone else as well. Uh, I've been in Singapore for nine years now. I've worked in both public and private schools. Uh, I've I've been a teacher, a principal, a deputy principal, a a leader of learning. uh, And uh, my last role was director of technology and innovation uh, at Stanford American International School here in Singapore, uh, 3,200 students. And my role was to transform um, the way technology was used in day-to-day learning. Uh, and be as innovative as possible. And we had, we were lucky to have resources, both human resources and physical resources to support that, which I'll share a little bit more soon. Uh, two years ago, I set up my own consultancy company called uh, Ignite EdTech. And we work with schools, we work with EdTech companies all over the world to support schools with strategy uh, around their technology use, rolling out one-to-one device programs, running professional learning sessions. I speak at conferences, I work with companies, Um, you know, like VR360 that uh, uh, work through the process of how do we become bigger, how do we help better support teachers and students in their learning, you know, as a director in a school of of technology, one of my biggest frustrations was companies coming to me and trying to sell me their products when they hadn't identified what the problems were that their product would solve. So really working through the process to make that connection more fluid when companies come to your door at a school to make sure that that process is great. One of the things I love doing is connecting and engaging on Twitter, Um, connected with 45,000 educators from all over the world. Um, and, and that's the place where I go to to connect, engage, and learn. Uh, so if you're on Twitter, jump on board. My Twitter handle is at MrKempNZ. So please jump on board, and, and I'm happy to continue conversations there as well. But let's dive into it. So over the past year, I've been working with schools all over the world and supporting them in their strategy and making sense of how technology can help them be better in what they do, both you know day-to-day technologies that help you survive and then immersive technologies that help you thrive. So looking at the things that I've noticed and the current state of of the way we use technology, you know, teachers have adapted to change, uh, but there are mixed views on remote teaching. And we haven't adapted because we wanted to, we adapted because we had to. And that's the, that comes back to the fundamental uh, position that our education systems enforce us, uh, enforce on us. And, you know, I hope, that this is the change that we need to change, fundamentally change the way teaching and learning happens. And I'm excited that you're here today to learn with us and to learn with VR360 because, you know, in my opinion, immersive technologies are going to be, you know, the laptop of the future. We're going to be using it whether you like it or not. And, you know, I'm preaching to the converted because you're here learning about it today, but this message has to be shared far and wide if we are to make changes to the education system that our learners need. Um, 
you know, mindsets have changed outside of the education realm. You know, parents now understand because they have their kids at home, just how tough it is to teach. You know, teaching is no longer perceived to be the nine to three job when you have amazing holidays. You know, don't get me wrong, those holidays are pretty great, but we all know that as a teacher, you know, we work our butts off in those holidays. Those holidays don't really exist. So parents now understand the complexity that it is to be a teacher, and that helps us be able to promote new things like immersive technologies to show them what we can do and what is possible, that learning is no longer the learning that they knew when they were at school. We're changing those mindsets too. Obviously, and Adila pointed this out, you know, budgets are dropping and priorities are adapting and, and schools invest a lot of money uh, in professional learning and in uh, new technologies. And actually, immersive technologies don't have to cost you tens of thousands of dollars. You know, there's solutions out there that you can use, just like Adila shared today, that don't have to cost you an arm and a leg. And with that, these PD options are growing. You're here today learning for free. And it's an amazing opportunity to connect and engage with people, not just learning from me and learning from Adila, but connecting with the people who are in here today. You know, we're a small group, but it's an exciting opportunity to learn from each other potentially as well. So I would encourage you to share uh, your social media handles as well in the chat so people can connect and engage with you. Um, one of the things I like is that schools are starting to move towards a, a better idea of what strategy looks like, because strategy behind all of this is really important. I love the, the quote, actually, that, that sort of adds to this, is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And it's true. In any environment that I've gone into, they say, Craig, come in, help me build a strategy around how to be successful with technology. You know, the first and the last thing I always say to them is if you don't have a culture where you want to change and you want to learn and grow and you have the, the mindset where you want to grow and thrive, then nothing will ever change, right? We're never going to get there unless you decide that it's something that we need to do. And, you know, I, I think one of the other things that I'm pretty passionate about is supporting the equitable access to devices. Um, you know, we're very lucky in Singapore with that but many countries and schools that I work with all over the world are not so lucky and, and providing opportunities to be more equitable and during this time you know I've connected with teachers and I've been zooming in and out of classrooms all over the world and meeting spaces and I've identified the these three types of teachers um, you've got the 10 percent of teachers that have thrived those that have loved this opportunity to try new things test out ways of doing things, take some risks, engage students in the online experience. Then you've got the 60 to 70%, the majority of, of us who sit within that surviving mode. Some of us are at the lower end, some of us at the higher end of that surviving mode. You know, we've clung on and we've got through it. And we're lucky here in Singapore again, and I know there's a few of you here in Singapore that you now our kids have been in school for the majority of this pandemic. And that's a pretty amazing thing where you've got a government that supports education and actively promotes that to make sure that we can get face-to-face -face learning happening. And, and the, the rollout of our device programs in Singapore schools is an example of that that's happening you know, over the next sort of six to 12 months with our secondary students getting devices uh, in a one-to-one -one environment. And it's such an amazing step to see a government do that because it doesn't happen everywhere. Uh, and I'm excited to see that. And I hope others follow suit as well. 
Um, you know, and then we've got the, the last group of teachers and, you know, I call them the laggards or the rock dwellers. They're the people that, you know, and, and they're definitely not here because they are people who uh, probably wouldn't want to touch this sort of thing. No, why would I want immersive technologies? Why would I want to learn from a tech guy? They often say things like, this is the way I've always done things. Uh, and they like to do things their own way. You know, I've achieved 80% in my kids' exams for the last 20 years. Why should I change things? You know, why should I integrate technology? Why should I use the next step, which is immersive technologies? Well, the reality is that our kids are not the same learners as they were when we were at school. They're not the same learners that existed three years ago, let alone 10 years ago. We have to provide opportunities for them to learn and grow and develop in ways that benefit their future. You know, not now, but what they're going to do in the future. And, you know, I'm just gonna skip over this. And, and this links to, to what I wanted to roll in here is from the World Economic Forum, who every year or two release their Future of Jobs report. And this came out in December of 2020. Um, and this was part of a 400 page uh, research document that comes out from the World Economic Forum every year. Um, and it's something that I really value and I really like because there's so much research time and energy that goes into this. When we look at this, these are the top 10 skills that people are going to need in 2025. You know, and they say we can't predict more than three to four years in the future. So when we look at this, this is four years away. You know, these are our, you know, 14 year old students who are going to be entering the workforce in 2025. So if you're a high school teacher and you're not actively teaching, explicitly teaching these skills, then we are doing a disservice to our learners. And I know some education systems don't allow that and you know are pretty controlled as to what you can do and what you can't do. But when we have tools like immersive technology, it allows for us to actually teach these skills in a more explicit way. You know, when we look at this, 50% of these skills are problem solving skills, skills that actually require our kids to think outside of the square, how to solve problems, not just go and do and consume like many of our education systems are built on. And, you know, I look at this and I go 50% problem solving skills. How are technology companies actually helping provide opportunities for kids to create rather than just consume and be actively involved in the learning process. And Adela showed some awesome examples there of how kids are actively involved in the learning process. The learning doesn't stop by the teacher standing in front of the classroom and delivering. They can engage in the learning. They can see the learning. This immersive technology is scary for us, but it's normal for our kids. You know, we, we live in a mobile first world where we for the first thing we do is give our kids mobile phones. You know, five years ago when I was teaching in a classroom, none of my 10 year olds that I taught had a mobile phone. Now I'd be very surprised if those kids in that age group didn't have mobile phones. You know, and we provide these opportunities that we think are valuable, but we have to back them with why, because that why is critically important. And this leads me really to and I'll share a case study of what we did at Stanford as well, is the whole idea of creation over consumption. And, and Apple Education share this very well. And these are a couple of images from Apple. And, and they say, you know, every learner is a creator. And that's what their technology is based on. It's based on the idea of, of creating. 
And the people that design those conditions are you, the teachers, the leaders in schools that provide the opportunities for your kids to create and make. And Seymour Pepper says, the role of the teacher is to create the conditions for invention rather than to provide ready-made solutions. And, and I like to keep this in the back of my head when I'm working you know, with companies or with schools or and I was just telling Adela before, I've, I'm starting up my own company, actually building a professional learning portal and for educators. And it's super exciting. And, you know, I know exactly how Adela feels as a startup company now because my mind goes all over the place. But for me, I want to keep this ideal all the time. How can I create the conditions to create? You know, con consumption is important and we need to learn from that. But we need opportunities to create, give back, create that community of practice. And I really like the idea of being able to build and, and share ideas within that, that frame. You know, this is the phase that we're in now. We have to learn to unlearn so that we can relearn because our teachers are stuck in this rut where they go, this is the way I've always done things. And they have to unlearn. This changing time means that this skill is critical. You know, and, and I pose that question to you as well. Like, What skills do you need to unlearn and relearn to make sure that you're doing your best for your learners? And that's something that I highly recommend that you pose to the teachers in your school too. We're always afraid of making mistakes, yet we preach to our kids to make mistakes every day, you know, by taking risks. We say to them, try something new. Every day, my daughter goes to school. And the one thing I say to her is, have a great day. I love you. Try something new. And I love the idea that you can, can go there and do something and make a mistake. And mistakes happen. And we need to actively encourage that in what we do. And, and I can guarantee that if we asked Adila, did this process of building a company like VR360, was it always positive? Was it successful all the way? And I can guarantee you that the answer will be no. They would have faced challenges. They would have had setbacks. They would have had technological issues where they went in and they tried something and they made mistakes. But we don't know what we don't know. So we've got to jump in the deep end and give it a go. So let me share um, Stanford American International School. This was the school where I was the director of technology and innovation for four years. And you know, a big school, 3,200 students, IB curriculum, American Common Core Standards um, across two campuses. One close to where I live here in Lorong Chuan, uh, which is the early learning village attached to the Australian International School for learners up to the age of six. And then the, the grade one to grade 12 campus, which is uh, for our, our primary and high school learners. Uh, and that's where the majority of the kids are. You know, we we had the idea of how can we do more than just teach technology? So when I came in, we were teaching kids technology skills. Most of those skills were skills they already knew, actually. So they were actually already things that they already knew. But because it was written in my planning document and because it was, it was something that we thought was important, we did it. Uh, and without even thinking, you know, is this valuable to our learners? Can we adapt it to suit their needs? So we did, and we shook things up, and we took a risk, and some people didn't like it, and some people got off with us. But when we look at this now, this is a completely different learning environment. You can see here, we transformed, this is a, a space that we turned into an innovation hub, and it's an open space for people to come and learn and grow no matter what age you are. So if you're a six-year-old, you can come in here at lunchtime and try something new, get a bee bot 
code it, uh, get some VR headsets, play around with it. You can create, you can make, you can engage. And this is us running some professional learning with immersive technologies with our teachers using VR headsets and taking them through the process of what learning looks like, you know, putting them in the shoes of learners and allowing them the opportunity to step through a VR experience. And then this is what it looks like in the classroom. These are our kids in the classroom engaged in a VR experience. Do I think VR should be incorporated into everything you do? Not at all. It's a tool that you use to enhance teaching and learning. No different to an iPad, no different to a pen or a pencil. It's literally a tool that you can use to enhance the learning experience. And if you ask yourself the question, does this significantly change the learning experience? And the answer is no, then you shouldn't do it. You know, immersive technologies allow us to do things that we didn't think were possible. When we look at that on Ruben Putendera's SAMA model, it's actually a complete redefinition of learning. We changed the way that learning is and learning happens. And is this experience tricky to do? No, super simple. Adila showed us before how easy that immersive experience is. It is so simple. It is so easy to be able to immerse learners in this way. You know, we actually decided that we will not just do that, but we'll make our kids become creators too. We'll put them in the leadership roles. So on the right, you can see two of our kids who are interviewing two of the, the school's directors of the board and using the green screen and teaching them how to use the green screen functionality. Um, they, are, they were our tech experts, we called them, and they were leaders. They spoke in front of 500 people at EduTech Asia. Um, it, it was an incredible experience. And, and would that have happened without us providing that opportunity for them to create? Not at all. So we put that in the hands of them, even if things go wrong. And on the left, you can see them here. We worked with a, a game-based company, the creators of Angry Birds, actually. And they developed a, an app with us and we built it together and the kids had a say, and this is the official launch that they did at our school, a global launch of um, their app that had these kids helping them grow and develop and build the application. And, you know, for me, that's what excites me about immersive technologies. That's what excites me about that opportunity to do something more. And, you know, I've had the unique opportunity to work with VR360 uh, as part of EduSpace um, Accelerator Program here in Singapore as a startup and as a mentor, and I've mentioned this already, it was a pleasure to see them from the beginning to where they are now and how they're actually listening to educators. This is a good example of an opportunity to learn and grow, but not just that, they listen and they adapt their product to suit your needs and that's what companies need to do this is the shining light of what companies have to do if they are to be successful they have to listen and you know i'm not just saying this because i'm here today Dylan knows that I'd, I'd say it how it is and i'm a very open and honest person and you know if i didn't like it i definitely wouldn't be here today sharing with her but you know it's very much uh the ideal that we want to set the precedence we want to set with companies all over the world and you know, if I was you, I'd be hands down working with startup companies. Startup companies are ones that will listen, they'll help, they'll work with you, they'll pilot programs, they'll test things, uh, and they'll adapt the program to suit your needs. And that's what is so exciting. You know, I often get asked this question, how do I get started? You know, Adila's here with an amazing product, but that product is only one step of the, the, the process, right? You know, there's there's hundreds of companies out there that do various things with both augmented and virtual reality. 
And th these are a bit old now. This is from about four years ago when we were uh, actually rolling out our VR kits. We put together um, some VR kits in our school. We purchased some cheap Xiaomi smartphones and we used those. We purchased some cheap Google Cardboards, which cost no more than two or three dollars. And we put together some kits and we trained our teachers and we said to them, I want to see how you use immersive technology in your classroom. Here's a little tutorial, the photo I showed you before. Jump into it. It is super simple. So uh, we did some blogging and we did some sharing. And the the I've got a blog called MrKenPenZ.com. And it's it's old older now because I don't update it as much because I'm into podcasting now, which I'll talk about soon. But there's a whole lot of awesome content in here that might be valuable for you. You know, yes, it's four years old. Jump in and have a look. If you go to MrKenPenZ.com, search VR, these will come up straight away. The article on the left is a, is a co-produced article about the benefits about going from beginning to end with VR. And on the right was our process of actually creating a VR kit in our school and what we did to actually achieve that success. So definitely worthwhile jumping in and having a look at it. And I'm happy to share those links too, uh, if people can't find them. So how should your school embrace immersive technologies? And I, I break this down to four simple things. Number one, trust the professionals. You know, trust the companies that are invested in this. Trust the people that have spent their whole lives working around immersive technologies to support learners. The second thing is test and trial. You don't have to jump in the deep end. Adila was saying before, you know, jump in, try their product, try their solution, and then see if you can put that in the hands of kids because you're not going to know if it's going to be successful until you try it. Find those champions in your school to lead it, whether it's you or someone else, get them involved early on. You know, they're the 10% of people that want to take risks and want to try something new. And every school has them. Just like every school has the laggards that are going to push back. Every school has those champions. And I think the most important thing is be open to new opportunities and to new learning. Because if you're not open to learning, you, the reality is that you'll get left behind. Um, this is my podcast that I talked about before. Uh, it's called the Ignite EdTech Podcast. And uh, every Friday morning, Singapore time, I drop a new episode. So six o'clock tomorrow morning, a new episode will come up. Uh, episode 47. Um, of the Ignite EdTech podcast. Uh, every week, I, I took, give some tips and hints similar to what I did today, sharing some learning um, you know, around the world. It's free. Uh, it's my way of giving back. I, I interview one of my, fa my favorite educators, my mentors, my, my people that I look up to from all over the world, You know, shining lights in the world like George Kuros, um, people in the world, you know, I just interviewed Sylvia Duckworth the other day, who was a, a sketch noting expert, you know, people that use technology in exciting and interesting ways. Uh, and I encourage you to go check it out by searching for the Ignite EdTech podcast in your podcast channel of choice. It's very easy to find when you see that little light blue color. So these are my contact details. This is how you can get in touch with me. Um, I would be more than happy to answer your questions um, either now or post sharing. Uh, I'm always open to being connected. I'm always open to helping. Um, I'm going to give a quick plug here for the thing I'm building, which is a, a K-12 professional learning portal. That will be, uh, if you follow on my social channels, that's going to become evident um, in, in June 
we'll have some concepts ready to share and it's going to be live at the end of July. Essentially, we're going to be, give, be giving equitable access to learning in multiple areas, literacy, numeracy, edtech, innovation, leadership, social emotional learning with experts from all over the world. You know, inquiry experts like Kath Murdoch, leadership experts like Eric Scheninger, uh, technology experts like George Kuros will all be in this space. Price point will be low. We're going to build a community of practice. Uh, as you can tell, I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm very excited uh, and, and I'll share more. So keep, keep your eyes open for that. But uh, I'm going to open it up now to any questions that you have. Uh, and of course, I'm, I'm always happy to answer them. Sorry, I didn't know we're allowed to turn our mics on. Hey, man, how you going? I'm good, thanks, Nigel. No worries. No worries. Um, I should have said that to start with. Sorry. So yeah, I've... I found that um, a few schools I've been to, my leaders are certainly not in that 10%, uh, like you, the image you showed us, and sometimes not in, they're not even in the middle part, whether that's the 80%. They're generally in the, the laggards, as you called them. Yeah. And I find that innovation is really tough to implement when my leaders are in that laggard position. Is this just a case that, right, wrong school, this is not, they don't align with my thinking, or is, is, is there another way that I can try and reach uh, those sort of my leaders? Yeah, it's a good question, Nigel. I think it's something that a lot of people face. You know, I, I could imagine maybe quite a few people here as well, depending on what system and, and where they are. But, you know, I, I truly believe that people will move. And I always say, you know, the 10% of laggards, whether they're leaders or, or learners, they are uh, they're the last group that I try and, and work with actually because you give them 10% of your time and they zap 90% of your energy and you'll probably know this firsthand you know so one of the things that, that I always recommend and, and and this is not a self plug at all but bring in external people um, external people and, and we did this at Stanford even though we had you know great people inside of the building very positive leaders you know I've learned this firsthand is that I can preach and say the same thing over and over again, but when they hear it from someone outside of the four walls, they go, oh, what an amazing idea. Why haven't we thought of that? So it's bringing out those external people in so that you can actually see that. And there's, there's so many people out there and, you know, being based in, in Thailand now, it's probably best to get someone face to face to do that as well. You know, it's actually someone in Thailand and I'm happy to connect you with some people too, but it's, it's getting people in that can have that conversation. And, you know, I'm happy to have that conversation with you as well uh, offline about that. But uh, it's, it's that idea of getting people outside to share stories, share visions. You know, I think that in a school, it's really hard to, as a teacher, to move leaders, uh, and that's just the way our school systems are built, yeah. and we really have to get to the point of bringing people in, and, and, you know, I'll take this back again to the professional learning portal that we're building. It's, it's about getting equitable access to good resources for a cheap price, and, you know, I'm a creator myself, and it's really hard to price yourself in the market it's so easy to price yourself out of the market and work only with elite schools or people that can afford it. Mm -hmm. And the hard price point to work with people that are influential is, is getting to those schools that actually need them. And, and that's what that, the whole idea around this community of practice portal we're building is, is how do we actually move people at a price point that's not ridiculous yeah. as well? Because money always comes into it. But 
you know, if I was to recommend anything, it would be show them the journey that other schools have been on, particularly competing schools uh, in the region, uh, give them some data, give them some evidence, put them in contact with, with people, you know, external people that can chat. Okay, cool. That nice one. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? I mean, I, I have another one. If, yeah, uh, it's okay. <laughs> so culture is big for me. Being from New Zealand, we're very, very big on, on uh, identity and who we are. And I always try and bring that anywhere I go. But I do find, and, and, and I'd love everybody's thoughts on this, how far and how much I should push that versus how much I should be adapting to the culture that I'm in. Um, so I've taught in four different countries around the world and reflecting on my practice and who I am and how I hold myself in the conversations I have and my mannerisms, all that sort of thing. And I, I just think perhaps am I, am I pushing my culture and my way of thinking on others where I should perhaps balance that more and adapt to the culture that I'm in and understand that just because I think mm. this should happen this way, because that's what happened in my upbringing and my teacher training, et cetera. Uh, that's not necessarily the way the, the, the people in the culture think and do things here. Yeah, it's a good question, mate. It really is. It's, you know, I think about this in relation to when we chose to move to Singapore uh, nine years ago, and I still think like this today is, you know, I am uh, expat in someone else's culture and environment. You know, Singapore promotes itself as being a, a culture hub and it very much is to cultures from all over the world. That doesn't mean that it's not welcoming though, right? So uh, I think about this when, when people come to New Zealand, would I expect them to act and learn the way I learn? You know, if, if and a good example is like my, my children who were born in Singapore, I got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old and they were born in Singapore and you know, they class themselves as New Zealanders, but they've never lived in New Zealand. So I think the whole idea of, of culture, and I'm talking about this outside of this, this school context and tech context, but I think it relates back is if I was to go back to school, to New Zealand now and put my kids in school, they will probably struggle. You know, that third culture kids, the way that they've been brought up, even though they're in an international school here in Singapore, the way of learning is very different. And, you know, I think it's a fine line between adapting to the culture that you've moved to yeah. and helping them move and change and grow. I mean, they balance, right? It is. And I think it's a fine line between, you know, and, and I think I see this in leaders, actually, when they come into new schools, when we had a new superintendent come into our school. Um, I've had two of those. One was an extreme failure. Come in, tried to change everything straight up, got no respect, no one followed them, culture done. Another one, which was the polar opposite of that, came in, listened, actually walked into classrooms, talked to people, identified what was right and wrong, didn't speak it, identified it, took everything in, and then eventually built a team around him that could help persuade other people, you know, so like bringing in that teacher that's supportive of the philosophies when he's been in that classroom, he's identified yeah. that teacher thinks the same way. I'm not going to tell you now, but I'm going to bring you on board. 
and then you know Alita down the road. She's very supportive in some ways. So let's bring her on board too. Let's start having conversations and organically grow it. And I think the biggest frustrations for people like you and I, Nigel, is that things don't often happen quickly. And you know, as an expat educator, we often move from place to place as well, and we expect things to happen faster than they would. Yes. And I think that's just. You know, it's a tough one, but I think it's the nature of international education as well. Um, when you're not in the national school and you're in an international school, is that that people change very quickly. You know, staff changes, all of those things. So I don't know if I answered your question there, but you know, no, I really, I really uh, put the um the listening part. I think, and you mentioned listening earlier in your presentation. Uh, I, that's something that I know I know that I can do a little bit better. But to, yeah, just listening to people and and team reflecting and taking that on board and. And then trying to integrate a little bit better, but no, that's it was nice to hear it just from another voice. So. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, mate. You know, I, I want to go back to the immersive technologies piece and and think about you know if you were to go back tomorrow to your school, how could you integrate immersive technologies tomorrow? And my best advice would be, if you're a classroom teacher, do it in your own room first, and then I think just like I said to Nigel get those people on board that you can pull in, you know, those champions, the, the trumpet blowers, the people that are going to be positive um, around you and get them trialing it. It's, it's a slow burn sometimes. You know, Adela, you'll know this from running a business in this way. It's a slow burn. You know, schools do things slow when it comes to this sort of thing. You know, the onboarding process, things are, you know, you have to fight every battle to get there. But but you will get there if you persevere. So I think it's just that slow burning process of trying new things, slowly bringing other people on board, come and watch my lesson when I'm using immersive technologies, talk to my kids about how engaged they are, start sharing those messages at, at, a, at a bigger level, you know, at a, at a staff meeting or in a faculty meeting and just slowly drip feeding the excitement that these things can bring to learning and how they actually transform learning as well. Because often people need to see it to believe it. So that's sort of just an, an additional two cents after thinking and listening a little bit more. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you know, I um, I work with lots of teachers and I think a lot of times there there is that fear because, you know, they identify a tool and they think that, you know, this would be super helpful um, in their classrooms. But I think there's always that fear of like, you know, what if I can't meet my learning goals? What if I don't finish my syllabus? Uh, or, you know, what if this doesn't work? So I'm really wasting like one or two classes on this and, you know, I'm going to be crammed for time to finish my learning goals at the end. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think we have a question here, Craig. Um, I'll, I'll read it out to you. Yeah. So, um, so uh, the comment says, hi, thank you for your sharing. This platform is suitable for science very much. What kind of e-pedagogy can we use for language teaching? So okay. uh, maybe I'll take it, you know, uh, first a little bit and yep. then, uh, you know, Craig, I'd love to hand it back to you. As yeah, well. yeah. So, um, you know, thank you so much for um, checking out the platform as well. And, you know, the example that I showed you mostly uh, incorporates science learning, mostly incorporates how the organs look like, uh, a field trip uh, as well. Um, I think for language learning, we do get, uh, you know, teachers coming to us, asking us if we can help them develop content for language learning. And, you know, because we work so much on a co-creation model, we worked with teachers, we listened to them, like Craig mentioned, and we, you know, want to meet their learning goals. I think something that we have discovered along the way was that um, 
for older older students, maybe at your secondary school level, there's a lot of um, immersion that you can do with VR. So a lot of language teachers, you know, if you wanna, uh, if you're teaching like Spanish or like Chinese, for example, a lot of times you do wanna bring them to cultural sites, which are um, you know out of reach many times. So VR is fantastic for that. For very young students, um, I think VR or immersive learning or even just 3D models, they provide an avenue for young students to um, you know, get in touch with their kinesthetic learning. So when you're teaching young students vocabulary, for example, like even when I'm working with a couple of my kindergarten teachers, right? It's about letting them touch an apple to say that, you know, this is how you spell out an apple and this is how the apple feels like. This is how you can touch it and like, you know, this is this really, uh, you know, creates a memory retention in their head. So that those are, you know, a couple of things that we have, uh, we have realized and we work with international schools as well. And many international schools have students who don't have English as their first language. So a lot of times I think that has been helpful, but quick, quick, what do you think? I think that's the, the beauty of immersive technologies is, is what you just described is actually it's not a lot of people think that immersive technologies are science and maths specific and yeah they're awesome in science and maths and geography but actually they can be used for everything so i've seen them used in a in a chinese language learning class i've seen them used in a spanish class um, almost exactly how adila's described it as a way of uh, immersing kids in the experience of the object so that they can actually tactile, you know, virtually understand what it looks like. So when they, they see it and they say it, it, it helps stick. So it's that stickiness, I think, that immersive technologies provide to our learning across any subject area. You know, I've seen some immersive things happening in, in classes like this where, where we have kids actually producing and creating content for sharing with their, their language learning as well, which helps them that creation part, you know, when you get kids to become the teacher or the creator, it sticks. So I think it comes back to that stickiness. Uh, how can we make learning sticky mm. is the piece that I really like. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for listening in. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it around with your colleagues and friends. You can find us at veer360.com or at veer360 on social media. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or if you'd like a demo of our platform, please reach out to us via email at veer360.contact at veer360.org. That's all for this episode. See you next time.